This is the Jamal Show. Down in. Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. This is the Jamal Show. Okay, okay. All right, this is where it all begins. Greetings to all of you this fine morning. This is the Thank you for joining me in the land of the living once again, my friends. We know that this is a good day. We know this is a good day, particularly because God has given us so much, so much news, so much to talk about. It's like the day was made for talkers. And talkers are nothing without listeners. So we are grateful for the gift of life to you listeners as well, if only for one more day. And I just got to say, I always say that when I pray over a meal. I always say that. I say thanks to the Most High for feeding me one more time. I never take for granted that I'll eat again. But I plan to. By the way, happy Thanksgiving to you all. And save your hate mail. Save your hate mail. I am not ignorant of the symbolism and the history surrounding Thanksgiving. I have many friends who will not celebrate a holiday with such horrible origins. To be truthful, it's fair to say that the indigenous people of America were never safe around the European settlers who colonized this land. And I must admit that I am not the biggest traditionalist myself. But everyone takes the day off of Thanksgiving. So my hope in the midst of this holiday is that many of you will be able to connect with your family, whether it be by blood or by choice. My point is this. We cannot forget that as humans, we all need connection with other humans to feel like we are in a safe place. And safety is a theme I'm getting at today, my friends. Stay with me as I give you stories of safety. By the way, I'm not trying to say that every day is going to be easy. Every day is not supposed to be easy, but today will be easier for us, at least in Radioland, because today is special. It is special due to all these topics we have to discuss. We just had a huge verdict in that Rittenhouse, kid, that Rittenhouse trial yesterday. We can get into trouble with that. Pretty soon, we will have an Ahmad Arbery verdict. Build Back Better just passed. Biden is on the move to pass his new social spending bill. And, and we'll get to all of that. But the day is also special due to the special guest we have on the show with us today sitting next to me. I'll give you more details in a few. But if you didn't know by now, my name is Jamal. But you can call me Steve Bannon if Steve Bannon was black. If Steve Bannon was black and Steve Bannon wasn't crazy, you can call me Steve Bannon. And I'll be your entertainment for this hour. And before I introduce my very special studio guest... I need to bring in another friend, but she hasn't called in yet. So, Denise, when you get the chance, call in. She's a, a wonderful friend of the Jamal Show. Dr. Denise Wonderler will be on the phone soon. And let me just tell you a little bit about her. Uh, she runs the Jamal Show's favorite charity, which is Team Vienna, which, for SUCD awareness, SUDC awareness. Excuse me, Dr. Denise and I are part of a club that nobody wants to join. That club of parents who have lost young children for unexplained reasons. I lost my son Simon a few years ago to sudden infant death syndrome. And she lost her little Vienna to SUDC, which is sudden unexplained death in childhood. And she and I have been able to bond over these sad events. So we had the Jamal Show show support for this non-for-profit and we always will. After all, Dr. Denise does the work that I'm not strong enough to do. And she does it in the name of... Of all lost children. So we're going to wait for the call in. In the meanwhile. 
I just want to assure you, the name of the show is Safety, and I want to assure you that as long as, for long, as long as you hear my voice, you will be safe from nonsense. Now, I won't keep you waiting any longer. As I said before, I do have a very special guest with me, and his name is Attorney John Rose, okay? Let me tell you something about him. Oh, Attorney John Rose, he's just like me, except that he's experienced and wise. So he's just like me, except that he's experienced and wise. And I'll go ahead and turn off this applause. And that means that he's going he's gonna to have a lot to add to today's discussion. Oh, by the way, he's also not broke, if you want a real distinction between him and I. You would be smart to feel safe around Attorney John Rose. Why do I say that? Well, let me give you a little background about this fantastic human being sitting next to me at WKND Studios. First of all, Attorney Rose is a black man who is 81 years old. And you'll excuse me if I think that that right there deserves some serious applause. I mean, you got to be like God's special person to be a black man and live till 81. With all the crooked police and salty food and diabetes, 60 is a black man these days. One black guy I hear was almost killed yesterday at 41 years old. Julius Jones almost got killed with the death penalty. Then, uh, by some tremendous, amazing miracle, Governor Stitt of, of uh, Oklahoma did the unexpected thing and gave Julius Jones clemency. That was unexpected for a Republican to act like they care about any other people. And I was shocked. I thought Julius Jones was a dead man. Republicans love executing people for political points. But back to my point. Whatever kills black men efficiently, America always has lots of it laying around. Cheap, even free sometimes. There's nothing but traps out here for the black man. So applause to you, Attorney Rose, for living till 81. And, and we're going to take a break right now and, and let Denise come in and speak for a minute. Is that her? All right, bring, bring Denise on. Denise, it's, Dr. Denise, it's so great to hear from you. Thanks for calling in. What do you have for us today? Hi, Jamal. Thank you so much for having me. Um, hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Denise Wunderler. And I wanted to thank uh, you, Jamal, and the bishop, and all the listeners out there who have been such an amazing support system for, uh, for our family and our 501c3 nonprofit, uh, Team Vienna for SUDC Awareness. Um, I wanted to, to let you know that there is a lot of big things that happened this last year, and it's all thanks to all of you with, with your support. First of all, I want to thank Jamal for um, making our nonprofit uh, the nonprofit of, of the year for, their, for his radio show, so thanks so much for that. Um, you know, uh, Vienna died actually four years ago Friday, so, you know, we've been looking back a lot on that, and, uh, you know, it seems like yeah, yesterday... you have my condolences happened. again. Go ahead. Excuse me? Uh, you have my condolences again. Go ahead. I'm sorry oh, to interrupt. Thank, that's okay. Thank you, Jamal. Thank you. Um, but, you know, as you know, Jamal, with, with losing your little guy, Simon, you know, it, for you two and a half years ago, for us, it's been four years. For our little girl, almost three, who essentially fell asleep watching TV and then never woke up, and then this is now known as Sudden Unexplained Death in Childhood, or SUDC, where there's no explanation for why these kids are, are, are passing away in their sleep. One to 18 years old, after thorough investigation, autopsy, medical record review, there's still no explanation for these deaths. And, you know, for us, it's been four years, and, you know, I, I think, Jamal, you may feel the same, where, you know, it seems like forever ago, at the same time, it feels like it happened yesterday, at the same time. Um, so we're, we're thankful for all the support of our nonprofit. So, uh, to recap briefly, so we, we've really extended our Grand Rounds presentations to medical staff, coast-to-coast coast and even internationally. So that's been fantastic. 
and getting uh, curriculum materials regarding SUDC into medical schools. And this last year, academic year, 2020 to 2021, was the first year of that. So we're so thankful these medical schools embracing these materials to educate their students about this. As said, before this time, uh, before now, it was never in the curriculum of, of any, at any level. And then, of course, we that's have amazing also- that you were able to accomplish that. I know it's very hard to get it into institutional, institutional um, academics and stuff. So, I also hear you're doing a movie. Is that correct? Well, um, you know, still in negotiations, but it, it's possible that that we could have a um, eventually a documentary. Um, that's in the very early stages now. So, um, but we we hopefully hopefully we'll get that done. But it's <laughs> uh, still in the planning early planning stages. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll you've been around for More 12 years that. now. Congratulations. And I know you've accomplished a lot. Uh, before you go, I just want to make sure people know how to get in contact with your organization because it's such a wonderful organization and you have all these uh, materials out to let people know about things. How can people find out about this stuff? Like, And, and if you don't mind, just saying a little bit about SUDC so people understand what it really is. Yes, thank you. So our website is www. Vienna, V-I-E-N-N-A dot team, T-E-A-M, so Vienna dot team, and SUDC is the category of death, uh, sudden unexplained death in childhood of kids 1 to 18 years old, where after a thorough investigation, um, medical record review, um, and death investigation, uh, there's no still no explanation for these deaths, and Vienna was one of these children this happened to, and uh, so we have no... There's no warning for this to happen. There, you know, Vienna is a healthy child, as all these other kids are healthy. Um, they go to sleep one night, you know, which is a typical story, and then they don't wake up in the morning. For us, it was Vienna fell asleep watching TV, and then and then stopped breathing. So, right. so you know, we're involved. With people, I need you to check out this charity and support. You always take donations. You are five hundred one c three. So I implore yes. you to support this charity. They have great T-shirts. They have a a lot of events. Um, is there anything coming up, Denise, before we go? So, um, well, we always have uh, Vienna's Day of International SUDC Awareness, which will be the fifth annual coming up in May. It's always the Saturday after Mother's Day. That's where people from around the world uh, support, um, you know, uh, the nonprofit, uh, wearing T-shirts and remembering Vienna. And we've hit seven continents the last three years, which has been really incredible. Um, so, and, and hopefully we'll also be able to do another fundraiser for Vienna's birthday, which is in January, where last year we donated over $16,000 to Robert's program at Boston Children's Hospital to push forward their, you know, specifically the genetic piece um, of this medical mystery. And so, you know, we're thankful that, that you, Jamal, you know, that, that you all are involved with the research study as well as us and so many other families because the research study is actually on, it's what's called, um, it's actually SIDS and SUDC, which is collectively is known as SUDP, Sudden Unexpected Death in Pediatrics. So we're thankful for Dr. Goldstein and his whole team there. Really wonderful people, so dedicated and and, um, motivated to really get answers as we are uh, to really try to to figure out what's going on with all these kids, with the babies and and with, with the elder kids as well. Denise, we're going to go ahead and let you go, but I have an idea. Maybe we can run some kind of telethon here um, next year or something like that. Uh, we'll probably go ahead and do, be supporting your charity for another year just because we want to. So uh, thanks for coming on. You'll be on again, I'm sure. Keep up the good work. Thanks for fighting for all of our children. We really appreciate it. Have a beautiful day, Denise. We'll be talking soon. Thank, thank you so much, Jamal. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. 1966? I don't either. That's before I was born, my friend. Attorney Rose was the first black lawyer in Connecticut history 
to practice in a law firm larger than five lawyers. That was back in 1969, which I'm sure you do remember. He was also the, the first black partner in a law firm larger than five lawyers. That was in 1972, one year after I was born. In 2004, Attorney John Rose became the first black corporation counsel in Hartford. If you didn't know, that's the lawyer for the whole city of Hartford. That would be cool enough. But he was also the corporation counsel in New Haven for five years. And just for you trust fund babies out there, he was educated in public schools. But he is also an alumni of both Dartmouth undergrad and Yale Law School, which is very hard to get into, by the way, speaking from a lawyer. And by the way, let me also point out that you're also getting two generations of black men for the price of one here. The Jamal Show is always good for a bargain. This man is here to help lend my show some legitimacy. We are gearing up to have some really intelligent discussions. So let's all be on our best behavior, okay, Bishop? Okay, I'm really talking to myself, actually. So welcome to the Jamal Show, Attorney Rose. It is really an honor to have you here. Thanks a lot for having that drink or whatever you had that convinced you to be here this morning. We have much to discuss. But before we get into that, I have to get to these chores really quickly. I have to get the show officially started, and I will do that really quickly. Welcome to Saturday, my friends, the very next day of your life. This is the Jamal Show, the place to get intelligent, live and on your favorite podcasting network. My name is Jamal, I'm an information junkie from Harlem, and I'm passing on the fruits of my, of my illness on to you. So if you get the Jamal virus, don't worry, it won't make you cough. But it may help you purchase a loft. As for me, I'm your listener guide, mostly along for the ride, coming straight through the Hartford studios of WKND, and I'm doing that live up until the day when there are no more black pastors to support black families. Did you hear about that, Mr. Black Panther? They don't want no black pastors around. I, I bet you the people in your congregation want black pastors around. I bet you they do. And that means I'll be around for a long time, folks. On this day, the revolution will be televised on the Jamal Show Facebook page live. So go check it out, folks. You can find that at facebook.com backslash Jamal Show Radio. I must announce that we have a black pastor in the house. His name is the bishop, and he can accompany me to a trial anytime he wants. Anytime he wants. Hello, bishop. And lucky for us, Dr. Mack is not in the house today. But he's being replaced by our good friend that I talked about previously, Attorney John Rose. How are you feeling today, John? I'm good. Sounding alive, sounding alive. Now, while we are on the radio right now on WKND 97.5 FM, you can hear us best while using a live radio app on your phone or laptop like Extreme Mix Radio. Some people use TuneIn. It's been about two weeks since you last heard our voices two weeks ago. We talked about hope, and my goal was to leave you with some. As always... Today, my theme is safety, and I will not put you in danger. How, and how will we pull this off? Well, I always do it by scheming and planning on how to get you all more intelligent. And it isn't easy with Republicans in Congress paying tribute to lies, violence, and death threats as ways to control their members. Here's a question. When's the last time you ever heard a Republican propose a policy that wasn't a lie, a threat of violence, a white grievance, or a tax cut? Please allow me to remind you that neither lies, threats, white grievance, or tax cuts has ever built a bridge, and they never will. By the way, don't laugh, but I am a Connecticut attorney with a new office phone number for the public. That number is 860-200-8874. 860-200-8874. Also, the rumors are true. I am now with the Goddard Law Firm in Hartford, and we do a great job of defending people in criminal court. So if you need our help, we would love to be at your service. Again, that's 800, excuse me, 860 200 24 hours a day, call me, let's talk. 
Now, if you came late to the party, I will remind you that this broadcast will soon be up on every podcast network that ever existed. That statement makes me a liar, but a very handsome one. We can make it all true with your help, so please share the gift of the Jamal Show with a loved one. And by the way, we could use some more reviews on the Jamal Show Facebook page. We need something to balance out all the bad reviews. So please, be nice, okay? Lastly, please know that my views do not represent the the views of the station. In fact, I think this station wants to censor me and pull me for all my committee assignments like Paul Gosar (laughs) and Marjorie Taylor Greene. You may feel the same way, but you got to remember, folks, if you really hate what I have to say, I can understand that. That's why I always tell you to save up all your hatred and tell it to the bishop. He's a man of God and he can handle anything. On the other hand, if you love what you hear, those calls are for me. You can always call us at 860-218-2173. Again, if you love life and this show rocks, ask for Jamal at 860-218-2173. We promise to allow you into our discussion. All you have to do is call. Now, time for a quick break. We're going to get into it with uh, the good attorney John Rose in a minute. I'm going to play this guy again for you. His name is Self Suffice. He's from Hartford, Connecticut. In fact, he told me he's the Hartford troubadour. That's a big word for you. A new word for you, troubadour. I had no idea what a troubadour is, so he told me what it was. He said, it's like being Hartford's official lyricist. Isn't that cool? And his lyrics are great, so that's easy to believe. This song is called Call Me Crazy. It's by a guy called Self Suffice. If you like it, remember you heard it first here on The Jamal Show, The Place to Get Intelligent. Why don't you groove to this and meet me on the other side of God? How about that? Can't knock me off my square. I got a center of gravity on me.
Crazy by Self Suffice, you will agree with me that it's pretty nice. <coughs> you can find this music, excuse me, coronavirus. You can find this music on Spotify where he has a good following. So check him out. Remember, you heard him here first on the Jamal Show, the place to get intelligent. Moving on, moving on. It's definitely great to have you back with us on the Jamal Show on WKND and on podcast. I am Jamal. I don't waste my time living the lives of other people. The cure for my boredom is my curiosity, and there is no cure for my curiosity. I see a lot of rainbows because I don't mind a little rain in my life. And in only three words, I can sum up everything that I've ever learned. It goes on. Life. Thanks for being with us today. Look around. You're special just like everybody else, and that means nobody is special, I guess. Let's move on. So today, we are pleased to have with us Attorney John Rose. One of the longest serving black attorneys in the state of Connecticut. And I want to talk a little bit about this verdict we received yesterday from the jury in the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. I'm sure you've heard of him, right? Oh, yeah. You've heard of John <laughs> Kyle Rittenhouse. Let me just give a little background to the listeners who live under a rock. Because he's feeling really safe this morning, Kyle Rittenhouse is a free man. And why is he a free man? Well, let's go back to the story for people who live under a rock. The police shooting of Jacob Blake occurred on August 23rd, 2020 in Kenosha, Wisconsin. A lot different from New York City for good reason. It's like a suburban town. It was it was a very controversial police shooting because Jacob Blake was unarmed, like most black men. And he took multiple shots to the back. Jacob Blake survived the shooting, but he was paralyzed. As a result of the shooting, there were protests that turned into the Kenosha riots. We might remember those from two years ago. Things got so bad at one point that police stations were attacked and burned to the ground. There were solid city blocks where the police just let people protest and riot in a lawless manner for days on end. During this time, a 17-year-old boy named Kyle Rittenhouse saw the violence on TV in the streets of Kenosha, deputized himself, and left his own state of Illinois to go patrol the streets of Kenosha. He brought along an assault rifle, as we do, to protect other people's property without their knowledge or permission. Yes, he was a white boy, if that wasn't clear by now. By the way, he had never been in that location before. He didn't know those streets at all. 
During his tour of Kenosha, Kyle Rittenhouse was cheered on by police officers who didn't even bother to check the ID of a kid with an assault rifle. All they saw was his white skin and they figured that he was safe. They assumed he was safe, which is the theme of this show. And we all know they would have treated a black teenager the exact same way, right? They would have treated a black teenager the exact same way in that situation because we know that justice is equal in America, right? Let me move on. While Kyle was patrolling the streets as a fake deputy, he ended up being the only person out of thousands of people carrying guns to actually shoot somebody with one. So he didn't help increase the safety at all. In fact, he shot three people and two of them died. And as a side note, all of them were white. And they were not more safe out there because of Kyle Rittenhouse, obviously. Rittenhouse was charged with a bunch of charges, including reckless homicide, first-degree intentional homicide, recklessly endangering safety, etc., etc. The charges don't matter as much now, do they? Because the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse just ended. He was acquitted of everything. He walked free. Which is funny, because if traveling to another state with a long gun to stand in the middle of a riot isn't reckless... I don't know what is. Why should anybody, why would anybody deliberately put themselves in a place where they have to carry a gun and by the way, they may have to shoot somebody. So I'll tell, I'll tell you my take on this, um, Tony Rose, because it changed. I can make an argument for guilty and innocent. At first, I was outraged that a kid could go around shooting people in a riot and then claim self-defense. But you know what? After the trial, I realized that these victims actually did attack him. Do you agree? Attack. Um, at least one of them pulled a gun and may have aimed it at him, yes. I, I, my, but my whole world goes back to the origins of this Rittenhouse banana head. What is he doing in a fellow state which he's entered without any cause to be there at all, armed with a weapon that he bought illegally... Uh, his mother was in court. I watched her cry when the verdict came in, and I'm wondering kind of a mother she was relative to keeping her son safe. But the fun thing about this case that you should, that you must recall, his bond was two million dollars. Right, and the fascists came through, you know, with the money and bags of money. Fascists is a good word. That's right. Um, but the quality of his defense was fantastic. It was. Um, people came out of the woodwork, raised lots of money because his parents didn't have, or his mother didn't have, $200,000 to get him out of jail and to provide the kind of defense that he had. This young man was made a cause, his lawyer says that's not the case, made a cause by white people, and he was, as a result, freed because they put on a better defense than the prosecution could ever have put on. Well, you know what startled me is that you know, I heard the story about him going out there and three people getting shot. But it wasn't until I saw some of the video that I realized that, you know, white people actually attack people with long guns. Like, you know, that would have never happened in Harlem. My, my theory is that if he if he had shot a black dude, that he wouldn't have been acquitted. And it, it's not because of the reason why most people would think that, oh, you know, America loves black people and we got to stop black people from getting killed. It has nothing to do with that. But I believe that black people, if you were surrounded by black people, they would not have, not have acted that way. Because black people don't really attack people with guns. You know what I'm saying? Like, I see a crazy white dude with a gun with an AK-47 in the middle of the street. I'm walking the other way. I'll give you another example. And, and 
Ashley Babbitt, this is the, the white woman that was killed in the Capitol, right? She was killed climbing through a window mm-hmm. towards a gun that was pointed at her. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a big guy. I'm, I might be a tough guy in the streets, but when you point a gun at me, that's kind of a closed book. I closed the book on that one. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so if I'm climbing through a window and you're pointing a gun at me, that's an easy way to get me to turn around. Mm-hmm. You know, even though the guys behind me are like, yo, go, we got to get, stop the steal. You can hype me up as much as you want. That That's the crowd mentality. She was, her brain left, left her head when she got into that mess with all of those people and all of them were pressing forward. But my point is that these people that, that messed with him in the street gave him a defense. You know, uh, of course a skateboard can't match an AK-47. But if you're looking for a reason to let somebody go, you're going to use that, right? And these guys were a little bit off the hook. They were a little bit crazy. You know, they were rioting. Not that that matters because you can't kill somebody for committing a, a misdemeanor. You know, and clearly this guy was 17 years old. Kyle Rittenhouse was not a cop. He wasn't even a, a medic. He said he was a medic. He had no reason to be there. And the reason why I think I think this verdict was wrong. I think he did perform self-defense to a certain extent. But, you know, he shot one of the guys four times. <laughs> self-defense usually doesn't work past the second bullet, right? And one of the shots was a kill shot to the back. Yeah. Right? And, and he shot three people, not just one. Right. That's right. Three. And to none of those people did he offer medical help. Well, none. he's carrying all this medical stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But he didn't offer medical help to the people he shot. I think that um, while, while the defense did have a great presentation, the prosecution made some mistakes. But I thought the prosecution closing argument was great. Because he's like, yeah, it was self-defense for the first shot. You know? But there was no um, medical uh, help. There was no stopping the shots. He shot the guy four times at one point. You know what I'm saying? Now, mind you, it was a riot. But why come and put... I can't get over that part. Why would you plant yourself in the middle of a riot? You know, that cops. <laughs> because you wanted to get on Fox News, which is, <laughs> by the way, that's where he's going shortly. And then more outrageous, <laughs> our cops can, hey, we're glad you're out here. Hmm. If he was a black where, teenager. Where were they? No, they were, they were there. They were oh, I know they were there, they but were, where were they? They were, con- they were too busy congratulating him mm-hmm. for being out there. Which we know is the same thing that would have happened to a black kid, right? Of course. Black teenager travels to another state. When cops see a gun with a black teenager, they think he's a what? A gay member. Mm-hmm. Right? At, at, at best. I'm, th- I'm dealing with cases like that right On now. On his way to being dead. <laughs> so here you have the, the white people. I don't know how he can explain going to another state to look for trouble. Okay. Usually people don't like that. Mm. You know, this kid was lucky because he had a perfect storm in his favor in the courtroom. What did he have? He had a judge that didn't didn't like the prosecution. You know, he had he had a judge that didn't like the prosecution, gave the prosecution all types of problems. The judge let him pick his own alternate jurors, <laughs> which I've never have you ever seen that? No, you've been in the bar since 1966, uh, sir. You've never seen a defendant pick out his own alternate jurors. No, and and really that was symbolic. That was a judge for the judge to do that in front of the um and in front of everybody was him showing. It's just like my grandson. You know, I, I don't have no. He wouldn't let the victims be called victims in court. Incredible. Just you know, ridiculous. And okay, I would understand this if if Kyle Rittenhouse was from Kenosha and he was like, I gotta, I gotta save my streets. But he's from Illinois. There's plenty of crime in Illinois. Last mm-hmm. time I checked, Chicago has a lot of had a lot of shootings. <laughs> so I'm wondering, how come he didn't just patrol his own neighborhood 
and stop the gang shootings. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure that anybody explained or that I've seen from yeah. the trial testimony how this kid got up to go See, to that's the Kenosha. Thing. That wasn't made an issue. And I know why it wasn't made an issue because freedom is such a big thing to these to these people, right? Like travel between the states? Right, right. So, right. so he wants to make the point, like a friend of mine told me this on Facebook. He's like, well, if I'm at a party... You know, that's really dirty and stuff. I'm having a good time and someone comes at me. I can shoot them, right? Uh, it might be wrong for me at the party. I might be underage, but I can still shoot somebody for defense in self-defense. But if you... Look, look. You should never have... You should never feel the obligation to go somewhere where you have to carry a gun, right? I hope that's like, true. Like, you know, like, if I'm invited to Thanksgiving, right, and my family's like, yo, bring a gun with you, you might have to use it. I might not go. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So he willingly. Now here's the funny thing. I have to correct you. He actually went around buying it illegally. He had someone else buy it from. Because here's the, here's here's the loophole in the law. He's not able to buy an AK-47, but he was able to hold one. He got around that law by having his cousin buy it and bring it across <laughs> state lines for him. <laughs> and he picked it up. And, so technically, his holding of the gun was legal, right? He did everything he could to go around that law. He found all the loopholes, right? I, I, I don't know Wisconsin law. I, right. can't, I can't believe that Wisconsin law allows a juvenile to, have, to be in possession of an automatic weapon. I don't, well, I don't think that that's Wisconsin law. Right, right. Well, they took away the, um, the, the charge about him having an illegal weapon because it, there was a whole bunch of technicalities. And plus, he's white, so they're trying to find any way to let him go anyway. <laughs> um, so that helps. It, d- it definitely helps. Let me ask you a question. If... Same exact situation, black man. Do you think it would have been a different outcome? The black man defendant? Yes. Oh, hell yes. Um, there would, there's no question about what it... He would have been convicted of everything from uh, failing to take a taxi to the right <laughs> to, to shooting people. I mean, you, can, you don't, black people don't kill white people with automatic weapons it's on the defense. street and get away with it. Well, I, I've never that heard a black happening. man call self-defense. Oh, he was no. scared of me. I, was, I had to shoot him. I've actually never heard that come from a black person. That's a good point to make. But once again... I think that the fa- look. I went to Ferguson. Remember the Ferguson riots in uh, St. Louis? Mm-hmm. I had a wedding to go to, and I I hate weddings, so I used it to go to the Ferguson riots. <laughs> and it, it was scary. What I, one thing that I did notice is that the whites in Ferguson were way more radical than the blacks were. I drove in front of the police department, and these people were in front of the police department chanting, just like I was like, "Can you say that?" They were like, "Oh, racist cops, blah blah blah," and it was all whites. And the black people were just like walking around, like, you know, some of them were looting, some of them were, you know, doing that thing. There was a lot of young people out there. And the cops that I ran to were scared. They were like, man, everyone for themselves out here. I mean, they were shaking. They were like, we don't know what's going to happen out here, whatever. Um, And the theme that I come away from is that, generally speaking, you know, it's white radicals that really get deep into these these riots. You know, they take they take the black cars and they keep going. And these two guys that came at Rittenhouse, I mean, one admitted to pointing the gun at him, which... Seems counterintuitive when a guy has an AK-47, you know, pushing <laughs> trash cans towards him, just doing things that gave him a great defense, you know. And all these things stacked up. They had what one person, one black person on the jury, I think. One, one black, one person man in a, in an area where it's like thirty-seven percent black. All of that. Um, the vice president was heard talking about the need to revise the American criminal justice system this morning and was attacked by the press because she said that because supposedly the, the president had endorsed the jury's verdict. The jury verdict is the jury verdict. Right, it's good, right. bad, or indifferent, it's, it's the jury verdict. The defense had a better 
group of lawyers. And they actually did fake trials with him testifying and with him not testifying. Yeah, they had the money to do that. They had the money. They yeah, had, the, had money. the money to do that, and that, as often as not, will rule the case. The thing that look, the, I, I can I can sympathize with the jury, and here's why: because this was close. You know, and as an attorney yourself, you know that anything close usually goes to reasonable doubt. You know what I'm saying? So if the jury went into the back and said, man, this is close, they technically would have gone with the defendant on that, right? Because it was close. If these guys didn't do anything, if if stupid, you know, long-haired white guy didn't throw a skateboard at him, you know, and a skateboard in this view, you know, when you're dealing with a 17-year-old kid, that's a deadly weapon, of course, right? Of course. <laughs> so, that's deadly. The guy was going to kick him, so he shot at that guy. The thing that kills me is that of all the people carrying guns that night, Kyle Rittenhouse is the only one that felt the need to shoot somebody. And two of the people never got an opportunity to testify because they were dead. And how is this? Uh, how is this objectively self-defense? I can see how it's subjectively self-defense. He was scared, right? And then this all, all this crying on the stand. I mean, first of all, not a tear in. Not a tear. I thought I was the only one that noticed that. I thought I was the only one that noticed that. The man didn't have one tear. It looked like a fake cry. Fine, whatever. Do what you got to do to save yourself from forty years. I get it, right? But why are you crying on the stand when you went there? No one forced you to go to the middle of a riot. How about that? I was telling my friend, my friend's like, oh, you know, well, it was self-defense, and I believe in, you know, stand your ground. And I'm like, you know what this is like? This is like if I went to a lion's den, I went to the lion's cage and jumped in. I said, oh, look, looking here, I done jumped into the lion's cage again. I guess I have to kill all the lions because they're going to attack me. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> you know what I'm saying? I jumped into the lion's cage at the zoo, and now I have to kill all the lions because they're going to attack me, and I'm scared. You know what I'm saying? And, and worst case, I'm going to be convicted of trespassing. Right. So, but not and saving my own life. How are you going to cry about a situation that you put yourself in? It's like I'm afraid of water, and I jump in a pool. I'm like, oh my god, it was terrible. <laughs> Why'd you put yourself there? Well, I had every right to be there. I didn't. I didn't break the law by being there. And so, law has gotten away from. Common sense, practicality. Like, you know, why did you go to a place that you cried about? And, and, you know? and one of the real problems with cases like this is the publicity that they get, the televised issue, the whole thing. I, I've tried a lot of jury cases in my life. I have never allowed a camera in the courtroom. Going all the way back to, God forbid, our favorite football player. OJ. That, that was a disaster, that case. It was an unmitigated disaster. Why don't you like uh, videos in the courtroom? I'm curious. I'm surprised you come from that uh, perspective because I would have thought that you'd be more transparent, but why, why not? There's nothing to prevent anybody from being in the courtroom who wants to be there. Right. But broadcasting shows trials on television makes them a scenario that is a movie, that is not the law, that is... It raises the judge's notion about how he or she, in my yeah, opinion, it makes ought, judge ought behave. Judge Ito, right, what you're talking I, about. I, right, I'm the major domo here. I get to do, act, whatever, however I want to act. Not a good thing. Yeah, like, you see the judge, like, lambasting this, this prosecutor. Oh, you, you know better than this. Oh, oh Doug, leave my grandson alone. He might, as well, he might as well have just said, leave my grandson alone, get him out of here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because that's how he acted. Never, never been an advocate of TVs in the courtroom. I was actually hoping... For mistrial, I was hoping that the, um, the jury would be a hung jury because I was like, he can't get a better situation than this. No. So his next trial is going to be, you know. And, and the problem is we can't go back now right. that he's been acquitted. He can't be charged again at all, ever. That's double jeopardy. He's 
free to go and act the fool that he was in front of the national audience, and he will have I do, it shortly. I don't think he's going to do that. You know why? Because I think his mother knows that the hood and all yep. these right-winger guys. Yep. He got robbed at first. His mother was like, we got to get these people away from him. They get, that's when they got him the good attorneys. And the biggest mistake he can make is go to George Zimmerman room. You know, like publicity or signing autographs at right wing. But he's going to do it. He's going to so? be on Fox News next, according to the news this morning. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. They're going to try to use him. Sure, of course. <laughs> if he's smart, he won't be used, though. But uh, who knows? There's a lot of money in it for him now. And he's—I'm not sure he's smart. I mean, he didn't yeah, do anything seven, smart yeah, to yeah, get yeah, to this yeah, point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about this. I guess you're right because people do things when they're desperate, and he's not going to be able to get a regular job, right? I hope not. His house, I mean, his name is pretty much worldwide known, you know, and some of the things he said, um, you know, so what he's got to do something. Um, if you remember George Zimmerman, you know, he, he challenged people to fights. He tried to get publicity yep, that way. Yep. After saying on trial that he couldn't fight, oh, I can't fight. A kid can beat me up. I've never fought before in my life. He went and set up like WWE events mm-hmm. where he fought. He was trying to fight DMX at one point. Um, the the best thing that could happen to this punk kid is he gets a job with a black woman supervisor. <laughs> well, you know it's not over for him, right? Because there are civil cases, right? Oh, yeah. He's going to be sued for several, several, several million dollars. And he'll hide behind the fact that he doesn't get it. But the, the very best that can happen is they get judgments against him. And that's a good thing. They will. Uh, Being civil cases, there's a lower standard of review. Um, so, you know, it's a preponderance of the evidence. It's yeah. not reasonable doubt. Chances are, if he gets sued, he will lose at least one of the cases. He's going to get sued a lot. And interestingly enough, if either of the victims, I'll use the word, uh, had been black, there, there would be a civil rights case. Oh, yeah. be brought oh, yeah. by the federal government under the law. I would think, I would think so, too. That's why they brought the... They, we're going to talk about Ahmaud Aubrey in just a second. But <coughs> um, Merrick Garland wasted no time in bringing charges and putting them on top of these three in men. In a minute. I mean... <laughs> And, and let's just think about that. There are a couple trials going on. Um, the Ahmaud Arby trial is going on as well. We haven't gotten a verdict in that yet. But some interesting things that happened in there, too. Uh, particularly, we find out that the defendants don't want any black pastors around. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now, that's right. interesting because whenever a cop gets injured, whenever any cop in America gets injured, you go to the courtroom the next day and what do you see? Every pastor, bishop... <laughs> All you see White is a dude yeah. with, a, with a robe. You see a sea of man. blue. You see a sea of blue. You <laughs> damn near see the Pope. Like the, the, every cop in the next two two states comes and they sit in the courtroom and intimidate the jury. But no one can stop them. They have of televising all of this. I'm assuming that that comment made by his lawyer was made outside the presence of the jury. But you don't even know that. Right. Because, because what the real jury here is the American public right. who's listening to all this baloney that this, these people are putting down and in very large measure to the extent that they are white illiberals buying it. Uh, but I, I watched that lawyer talk about, I don't want this pastor in the... I, you know, it's amazing like, because... I don't want to, Jesse Jackson. I, more than him saying that, I was more surprised that he felt comfortable saying oh, that. Oh, yeah. It's amazing, isn't Could it? You ama- <laughs> can you imagine my client... My, I'm a criminal defense lawyer, and that's what I am in real life. And my client, say he killed a cop, and me saying, you know, judge, you know, all these cops in the courtroom... They really um, intimidate the jury. Can we please try to get them out? The judge would kick me out. I mean, that's like almost contemptible <laughs> to, to say, hey, a yeah. police officer can't be in a courtroom. And to say, not even just a pastor. I would have said, you know, he could have been nice. I understand a lawyer trying to defend his client. 
because I'm a lawyer, I can understand that it have to be a little bit politically incorrect. And I do think that, you know, having Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton in the, in the courthouse does intimidate the jury. I can understand him saying that. I don't understand him feeling comfortable enough to say it. You know what I'm saying? Like, he literally said Black Pastors. Don't, we don't want Black Pastors. He asked the judge to get Black Pastors out of the courtroom. I mean, he, he, you know, I pay your salary. You know, like, you know, like some people do. You know? <laughs> So I'm still in awe of that. He didn't only say it once. No. He didn't only say it once. He said it yesterday, too. He said it the day before yesterday. He said it yesterday. And I can only think that he wants, he sees his case going down the drain. The system can't allow that kind of baloney to go on. And to suggest that the system doesn't need fixing is contradicted specifically by conduct like that. And let me just say, this kid is lucky he didn't go to New York. Oh. Most people don't like you coming into their neighborhood hey. to police things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Especially, like, imagine he even went to New York with an AK-47. Like, you know, there's a lot of crime up here in Harlem. I figured I'd come over to um, come over from <laughs> Illinois and straighten you guys out. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, he get you know, he, something would happen to him, and no one would support him. No one would be like, "Hey, we're so glad you came." Mm-hmm. See. In my eyes, one of the first mistakes the prosecutor made with Rittenhouse, let's go back to Rittenhouse right quick, was having the trial in Kenosha. I think they should have removed the trial. And here's why. We're dealing with people who were kind of traumatized by this uh, whole riot thing. Like, if you go into a Kenosha public square and say, the rioters really messed up this city, a lot of people agree with you. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when the def- defendants were like, well, you know, he was dead to try to stop rioters, a lot of the jury was like, yeah, man, I couldn't go to work that week. They should have moved it to an area that wasn't traumatized by rioting. But you got to get the judge's permission to do That's that. That's true. It's very That's tricky. Uh, and you do have to get the judge's permission, but they should have at least tried. I think part of it was that these jurors were not sympathetic to the defendants. To, to, for the makeup of the jury to be what it was, was just criminal, as it were. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, it's funny. Judges are even saying that now. I played two weeks ago um, at the opening of the Ahmaud Aubrey trial. The judge actually said, he said, um, this appears discriminatory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and well, he should have. I, I had to slap his hand for that. I was like, oh, that's, yeah. that's the first time I actually heard a judge admit he was like, this This jury seems discriminatory to me, but there's nothing he could do, he said. And to me, that was just covering his ass. You know, I was like, oh, well. But it's pretty daring for a judge to say that. Right. And so. It's got a lot of publicity. Yeah, you wonder <laughs> if there's going to be an appeal out of that. But this case with Ahmaud Aubrey is going way better than Rittenhouse's. It's going fantastically well. I only wish that the outcome is as appropriate as it ought be. Well, I can just say this. You know. Ahmaud Arbery is dead and he's dead for no good reason but actually that's not the thing that outrages me the most the thing that outrages me the most is that they killed him on the street and the cops were like okay so you go ahead and go home now we'll, we'll give you a call yeah, later yeah. on well, is that they, cool? they, knew where, they knew where he was because he was now, a former cop my experience one of them. my experience <laughs> being a black guy that grew up in Harlem who's been arrested before is that you can't kill anything in the streets and walk home mm-hmm. you can't even kick a dog in the street mm-hmm. you, these days if I was to go outside of the station right now and start kicking a dog in the middle of the street, within within 30 minutes, somebody would have me arrested. Oh, yeah. And I wouldn't just be able to walk out of the station. Some pet oh, no. lover's going to be like, yo, you need to get this guy. I'll be all over. I'll be viral. I'll be all over YouTube. People will have my job. Whatever. These guys chased down and shot a black... They, they've released the autopsy photos in the trial. And there's a big hole in this man's chest. Mm-hmm. While he was laying on the ground dying, 
Um, one of the, Travis McMichael called him the N-word. You're laying on a hard ground surrounded by enemies, cops looking down at you, and you get called the N-word as you're dying. And their defense is they were making a citizen's arrest. For a crime that they didn't witness, <laughs> but, which is really weird. The, the, apparently, there's no evidence of, yeah. of a crime having been committed. You and I both went to law school, albeit decades <laughs> apart, and when I learned in law schools that citizen's arrests do exist... But you have to kind of see the crime. You can't be like... You can be the victim. Yeah. You can be the victim's right. neighbor standing right there watching it. Right. You can't be somebody who comes on the scene right. in your vehicle and boxes the defendant in. You can't um, be like... Deceased in so you can... They were literally him. working in their yard. Absolutely. And they saw a guy running by. And they were like, hey, uh, that looks like the criminal that was trespassing on my, on my neighbor's yard. Mm-hmm. Didn't even take anything from yeah. them. Yeah. Trespass- that looks like the guy that... So let's, let's get our pickup truck. And speed after him with a shotgun and find out. Then they're wondering, they approach him and they say, you know, can you can we talk to you for a minute? Like, they have some kind of authority. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I used to be oh, a cop. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Don't you remember me from when I was a cop? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, guys, stop jogging and doing what you're doing because we have guns and we're going to ask you some questions as if they have some kind of authority. You know, whatever. We can only hope he, that all of this... Stuff that's being put out in the press that is causing these people to be concerned, these white people, will fit, fix it themselves itself on the jury's mind and that they'll be convicted. Because we should not celebrate the stupidity of this case yet because there's no verdict yet. Well... I would be very surprised if they got us. Well, I mean, but I've been surprised before. We've been over this, and you are eighty-one years old, so you've seen a I lot more. A, you've seen a lot more than I have. I had a murder case where my kid was desperately innocent, and after three days of uh, a jury verdict consideration, he was convicted. Yeah, I'll tell you what I'm learning as a new criminal defense attorney about Connecticut in particular. Um, they don't pay heavy respect to um, um, insanity. <laughs> Not many courts do. No, um, it's a tough one. They'd rather put you in jail. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd rather... they they In America, what we do with our insane people, with our mentally ill people, we throw them in jail because, you know, that's yeah. good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and especially Connecticut. They, I mean, you got to be, like, slobbering over yourself and cutting yourself uh-huh. up uh-huh. in order for them to acknowledge that you have mental illness. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. But I, I would be very surprised if these Ahmaud Arbery killers got away. Um, I don't think they have... The quality of defense that the Rittenhouse kid did. Well, you know what? They have a harder story. They have a they harder a story. terrible story. <laughs> they have a much harder story. This was in broad daylight. And then the idea that they got to walk away. I mean, that's just like... I don't get to walk away from cops for traffic stops. It, it, didn't, <laughs> you know it, didn't, it didn't look like they were going to be arrested at all until the... Papers or the people put put forth the, the yeah. real story. They had to indict. People, yeah, right. They indicted one of the DAs because she was like, she actually told she, other people, oh, oh yeah, don't arrest these guys. I know yeah. them. She she's gone. Thank yeah. God for small oh, favors. Yeah. This is not in Mississippi. This is in Georgia, which is supposed to be a couple of steps ahead of Mississippi. We all know Mississippi. What that's about, right? But this is in Georgia, and. You know, the idea that you can check... I mean, I'm still outraged by this whole thing. And the fact that they weren't even going to charge these guys. You know what? If one, one of the guys is the ones that took the video. Um, mm-hmm. he, I, I'm actually on the borderline as to whether he should be charged or not. Because he took the video. If he didn't take the video... I mean, yeah, he was calling him an N-word and stuff like that. But, he, but if he didn't take that he, video... He boxed him in with his truck. Too, yeah. So. But if he didn't take that video, he, he, these guys would have gotten away. Well, he, he may he may still get away. 
Yeah, right. Uh, you're very cynical about this. No, I see. Yeah, no, they, he's asked to have his trial separated from yeah, the, yeah. the other two. That ain't gonna happen anymore. Well, he didn't it's too do late any, now. Well, he didn't shoot any guns. <laughs> he didn't tell the guys to get guns. We got to give him some credit for taking the video mm-hmm. and and handing it over. Yeah. Think about it. Think about it. I know that it was my friends having in trouble like this. I wouldn't have done it, but I, I would have at least thought there were people who at least thought about it, just erasing that video. If he would erase that video. We would have no trial. We'd have nothing. We'd have nothing. They might have got arrested, but they would have been able to say, well, you know, he's a black man. He's running. <laughs> Duh. What, <laughs> the, the best we could hope for would be that there would be a federal prosecution and the kind of investigation that only yeah. the feds can do yeah, 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 that would cause right. the truth to such as it because is. Because without a video, forward. these dudes would have came in the court and said, yo, black man running. What else do you need? White neighborhood. He wasn't our neighborhood. We huh? didn't recognize. Oh, look, we have a video of him going into hmm. someone's house. Oh. Now, I didn't notice, but that's normal for suburban neighborhoods. For them to walk into the neighbor's house when there's construction being done. I've heard a lot of people talk about this. But when your neighbor's having construction and it's an open house, a lot of people walk in. That's not a crime, technically, if you're not stealing anything. It could be considered trespassing, okay. But it's not the kind of crime that a citizen's arrest can be made for, right? Unless you're the actual homeowner. According to the homeowner in this case, several people had been yeah. doing just exactly that. I, I find that interesting. Yeah, yeah. I hear, from what I heard, I heard this on Morning Joe, in fact, they actually showed during a trial, um, like, young kids going into the house, uh, teenagers with bikes. And they were like, you didn't chase them down. Mm-hmm. They were from the neighborhood. They were recognizable, whatever. Take advantage of that if you're the prosecution. Uh, but look, talk look, about the distinction between this goer inner and this goer inner. Look at the bastardization of self-defense, though. Uh, self-defense please. is supposed to be, I'm in my home with my family. I got a gun here to protect them. You came in. I got to defend my family. Mm-hmm. It's not, hey... You know, you're in a dangerous part of the neighborhood, and I don't like you, so I'm going to go over there. Right, right. Um, get you to attack me, and then, oh, my God, yeah. I had to kill him. Mm. I had to kill him. So this is where we're going with self-defense. And let me just add that the Republican Party in general, they champion this guy, Rittenhouse. Absolutely. They champion these Travis McMichael guys. They're about lies and violence these days, aren't they? Um, <clears throat> the world, this, this country's part of the world, went to hell in a handbasket when Trump got elected. Because the man has no morals. Uh, his only I- ideal in life is to cause people he doesn't like of whatever color or trade uh, to be put down, made to look bad. He's a beast. He's a, he's a crazy politician. Yeah, but... He's not even a politician. There was a book, and we're almost running out of time. I didn't even know it was 1056. Isn't it something when you get deep in the conversation, you don't know when time is passing by? So um, we don't have time for another segment, but I do want to say this. Um, I wonder, there's this Republican that came out with a book called It Was All a Lie, and that's my best explanation for Trump. Why do, I, why do I say that? Because it was all a lie is the best explanation for where the Republican Party is now. Remember they used to be the party of family values? Hey, uh, Lincoln, the party of order. Lincoln. They, they, they used to make us feel bad yeah. as Democrats because we got divorces. And we wanted people to have freedom of, uh, of choice to have the abortions. They used to make us feel bad because we didn't go to church enough. Or because we didn't you know salute the flag. You know, These are people who wanted... you know. You know, um, you have this football player that didn't take a shot, and he's saying he's being blacklisted. He's saying this a year or two after <laughs> Colin Kaepernick was really blacklisted. Yeah, oh, yeah. Was really blacklisted. Uh, a capable player that wasn't allowed to play ball 
because of his feelings on kneeling for the National Anthem. I've been a San Francisco 49er fan for 30 years. <laughs> and that that whole mess with the, with the NFL and Colin Kaepernick was just an unmitigated disaster. They treated so, him like crap. And it, he, 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 so my, I'm, I'm so thrilled that he's got a career going. Yeah, he got paid. He got he got his yeah. money from the NFL. He got six million dollars from Nike. So he's not going to have to work anymore. He'll be fine. But you know, you know, Tony Morrison said this best. I always think about this. Racism has a very serious um, purpose, and that's to distract us, to keep us explaining why we are here, mm-hmm. why we are mm-hmm. why we are here to be. And when I mentioned this book, um, it was all a lie. I'm thinking about all the time, the Reagans, all you know, all these times when Republicans held themselves up. But at the very bottom of it, at the very bottom of it, is this vitriol for for people not like them, for people not in their club, yeah, yeah. Um, for their own. They they want their own privilege so much they feel a threat and they attack. You know what I'm saying? They're not really for equality. They want oh, the status quo. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And they have a just think about how vicious racism is. Someone holding. It against you, your skin color, something that you can't even choose. You can, you don't choose your skin color. You don't choose your parents. You don't choose your lot in life. You know what I'm saying? So how could someone hate you for that? You know, it just, it's just baffling. And for all these years, play. You remember the the crack epidemic with uh, Reagan when, when he talked about welfare queens yep. and all that stuff. All that stuff came from the same place yep. that it's coming from now. Absolutely. It's not just Trump. It was always there. Yes, well, it goes back to the origins of black people in this country. You, you didn't start out equal. You started out as property. Right. I always tell people, this country was made as a safe haven for white men. And we have to get off. But um, And, and it's hard to change from that. Yeah. It, was made, it wasn't made, like, they didn't come here saying, we're going to make it equal for black people, too. They said, oh, this is a safe haven for us. We're going to have some slaves. We're going to make some money. We're going to build some things. And that's how it's always going to be. They didn't have the sense to give the vote to their own mothers, aunts, and right. sisters. Civil rights wasn't part of the plan <laughs> no. of this whole thing. And that's what we're going through now. That's what we're going through now. You have to have an understanding of history. And I know that you remember when things were much worse. I do. I know. So I things are getting better. We're going to have to go now, folks. We've talked our way into the end of the show. We didn't even have time for a third segment, which is a good thing, because that means that we had a lot of important things to say. Please see us again in two weeks. What do I want to say to people? I want you to know that there are other people who are responsible for putting the show on. Uh, i got to say a shout-out to Alex Sanchez, Joe Duncan, uh, Deborah Leonza Abram, all the people that help us with this show. Thanks for Attorney John Rawls for coming in today. This won't be the last time you hear from him. I'm kind of hoping to have him and Dr. Mack in um, in two weeks or something like that. We'll be talking about that, but thanks so much for listening. We're nothing without you. Hey, I want a fair fight out there. Let's have a fair fight. Let's try not to kick each other in the balls. Have a good day. <laughs> Jamal C. Wright. Jamal This is the Jamal Show. This is the Jamal Show. Jamal. Jamal Jamal This is the Jamal Show. This is the Jamal Show. This is the Jamal Show.